Thank you for listening today to our podcast here at Word of Life. We're delighted that you tuned in. And I pray that while you hear us talk, you hear the Holy Spirit speak. I know God's got a big plan for you. We're excited to be a part of that plan. Hopefully we will see you sometime soon, maybe even this weekend. Until then, we pray you have a wonderful, wonderful week. Let's open up our Bibles today uh, to the book of Joshua, and we're going to end in worship uh, But uh, at all of our campuses. But in the book of Joshua, I just really have something that I feel like I need to express uh, before we go any further in this year. Uh, and any further, not just in years, God, how many of you know God is not limited to January 1st? Uh, so you don't have to wait for January 1st to God, for God to do a new thing. Um, but out of that, I, I do believe God's a, a God of seasons. And Ecclesiastes teaches that, and then nature teaches us that, uh, that God is a God of seasons. And I feel like the season is about to change, and I, I feel like that uh, I need to, as a pastor and a shepherd, to prepare the sheep for the change of seasons uh, to make the most of it. And I believe that this particular chapter is just one that is uh, crucial uh, for us to understand and get in our hearts in this period of time. So the book of Joshua, chapter 3, we're going to start in verse number 3, and we're going to read all the way to verse number 13. Uh, And they commanded the people, saying, when you see the Ark of the Covenant. Now, let's just take a time out. The Ark of the Covenant was where the presence of God was. Wherever you see the Ark of a Covenant in Scripture in the Old Testament, that's where literally God's presence was all the time. Uh, So when you see the Ark of the Covenant, or the presence of God, uh, of the Lord your God with the Levitical priest carrying it, then, so wait to see God's presence. Then, once you've seen God's presence, and only then, see God's presence, then you will set out from your place and go after it. When you see God's presence, then set out from where you are and go after it. Uh, Verse 4, however, there shall be between you and it a distance of 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it, that you may not know the way which you shall go. This This is so good. For you have not been this way before. Now, here's what his concern was. His concern was that people would get so excited going into the promised land that they would emphasize the promised land before God's presence. And he said, you need to make sure that in your life, you are not so interested in getting into your promised land that you crave the promised land more than you crave the presence of the Lord your God. Don't get ahead of God's presence. Don't seek to grow your family before you grow in God's presence. Don't seek to grow your income before you grow in God's presence. Don't seek to grow your church more than you desire to grow in God's presence. He said, you are going to have to emphasize the presence of the Lord. Don't get ahead of it. Let the presence of God go before you. And then he says something very interesting. He said, you've not been this way before. And he said, the way that God's about to lead you, he's about to do something new. And you in your mind will think, I've got this. I can do this without this. And God's saying, don't get ahead of yourself. The way that I'm taking you, you have not been this way before. So make sure the presence of God goes before you. He keeps teaching here. And verse number five, then Joshua said to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. And Joshua spoke to the priest saying, take up the Ark of the Covenant, which was the presence of God, and cross over ahead of the people. God's presence will go before you. 
So they took up the Ark of the Covenant and they went ahead of the people. Now the Lord said to Joshua, this day I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all of Israel, that they may know that just as I have been with Moses, now I will be with you. You will moreover command the priests who are carrying the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, saying, when you come to the edge of the waters of the Jordan, you will stand still in the Jordan. Then Joshua said to the sons of Israel, come here and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, by this you will know that the living God is among you, and he will assuredly dispose before you all of the ites that I am not even going to try to say. (laughs) Verse number 11, behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is crossing over ahead of you. The presence of God is going before you. Now then take for yourselves 12 men from the tribes of Israel, one man for each tribe, and it shall come about when the soles of the feet of the priest who carry the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, rest in the waters of the Jordan, that the waters then will be cut off, and the waters which are flowing down from above will stand in one heap. Now, a little backstory here. The children of Israel are in a moment of transition. They're not quite in the old yet, uh, but they're not quite in the new either. So they're not in the old, they're not in the new, they're in between. They're in this process of leaving a past season that has been very testy. Uh, They are leaving a past season where they have seen God provide and they have seen God be faithful. They have seen God meet basic needs, but it has been miracles like right in the nick of time. Uh, they had this moment uh, in these, this season uh, where they weren't making progress as fast as they thought they should. Uh, they had dreams that had been delayed. Um, the Bible says that for a season they kept circling the same mountain. And it seemed like their life was making no progress. And they are on the, the midst of leaving that season. And getting over into a new thing, which was the promised land, which was God's idea to bring them to. And the promised land was not this place of perfection. It was still a place where you had giants and walled cities and problems and issues. Because as long as we are on this earth, we are going to have some problems, some giants, and some issues. Because the just, as long as we're here, we'll have to live by faith. But it was different than, the, than the, the wilderness that they were coming out of. The promised land was a land where they were eating bread without any scarceness, where it was not God just right in the nick of time providing a miracle, where instead of having to wait on him for, for daily bread to be drained from heaven, uh, they had a, a, a plenty of food, plenty of resources around them that The the Bible literally uses the word full for the promised land, that uh, your heart is full, your life is full, a land of peace, a land of fulfillment, a a land where you're in your dreams. The thing that you've been praying for, the thing that you've been going after, you are in it. That you're not just longing for it, you are in it. And they're in this moment of transition, of coming out of that testing season over into a restful season over into a promised land. And when I was reading this, and really what I felt for so many of you, and honestly for the world, um, is that you have been in a season that has tested your faith. 
uh, and you have seen God provide, and you have seen uh, miracles of sustainment, and God has sustained you and brought you into a place where uh, he's provided for you, but it seems like you've been circling the same mountain for some time that you have not made the progress that you thought you would have personally, that personally you would have liked to have made more progress over the past season or over the past years or months than you have made. And maybe there even has been an immense amount of frustration even with yourself because you have not made the progress that you thought you would have made or you thought your career would have progressed more than it's progressed or your family would have progressed more than it would have progressed or your health would have progressed more than it's progressed. But you're kind of circling the same mountain. But yet there's this glimmer of hope that there's transition in the air, that something is changing across the fabric of time, that you are coming out of that place and over into a land where you are seeing the thing that you have been praying for be in your life. Uh, even if that's something uh, deeply personal for you, that it's not just something out here that you have been asking God to make progress in, but it is something internally, and it's something about you that you have been asking God to help you make progress in, I believe that you're in a season where you're about to enter into that promised land, uh, that you are in a place, amen, where it's a new place, a new grace, and a new face, Uh, And the Lord told me that a couple of years ago, that people were getting ready to make that transition, that they would come into a place of a new grace where life is just easier, where it's not constantly having to force something, but there's a flow of God's grace that is helping you see what God wants you to see. And it's not by the works of the flesh, it's by the flow of the spirit. It's it's God giving you an Isaac instead of you having to give birth to an Ishmael. Uh, that there's just a new grace that is on you. Uh, And the Lord spoke to my heart and said there'd be a new place, like a new place. And and I sense that physically for so many of you, like a new place, Uh, but also just a new place of life, Uh, that life is just better, that it's just, you're at a better place. Like you're you're in a, a better place than you were two years ago or three years ago or three months ago, that you are in a better place. Like uh, for so many of you, you haven't been able to build because your foundation has been moving and you have sensed so much uh, movement that you have not been able to build upon that place, but the ground is getting firm and the ground is getting solid and you'll be able to build something off of that and have a new place. But the thing that I'm most excited about for me and for many of you uh, is while we are walking in new graces and while we're walking in new places, the thing that's going to bless us and honestly God's kingdom the most is new faces. And those new faces are not just new people coming into your lives, although life group season is about to start, Uh, but it is not just new people, subtle plug, it is not just new people coming into your lives, the new face is not somebody else's face, the new face is yours. That genuinely and truly you have changed. Uh, the, the, the things that you've been, the same things you've been circling physically, you've got a new face. You're not facing those things any longer. The same things you've been facing personally, maybe even financially, you've got a new face. You're not facing those things any longer that you are changing into the high calling version of you. Uh, just a new face where you're walking in the destiny, the graces, the gifts, and the anointing that God birthed in you. 
uh, and the, the flesh is being stripped away, and the spirit that God has put in you is being shown to the world. The veil is being lifted, and you are being changed into God's glory. Uh, And so out of that, I genuinely feel that that's on the horizon of time for many of you. And it's coming at the death of graces. And it's coming at the death of places. And it's coming at the death of faces. Uh, And we're in that time of transition where before there's been this season of death where things have been dying. Uh, But now we're in this season of we're coming into life and we're, we're kind of in between. We're not quite in the new yet, but we're not in the old either. We're in transition. This is where the children of Israel were. They were in transition. They were leaving a season of testing and going into a season of promised land living. They were uh, leaving a season of works and going into a season of rest. Uh, Leaving a season of forcing and entering into a season of flowing. Um, And they're in this transitionary moment, and I feel like so many of you are there, you can sense it, and God told them to do three specific things in transition. They'll put them up on the screens. Number one, consecrate yourself. Number two, follow God's presence. And number three, take a big step of faith. Number one, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. Consecrate yourselves today because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders for you. Uh, and so out of this, then he said, follow God's presence. Don't get so close that you get ahead of it. Follow God's presence. You've not been this way before. And thirdly, take a big step of faith. Now, we're going to talk about this third one next week. Um, And what we see here in this story is the first miracle for the promised land was the splitting of seas. And it's the same first miracle Moses saw in front of all Israel, but it did not happen the same way. In Moses' story, he lifts up his rod and they walk across dry ground. When Joshua's story begins, he's like, you're going to have to step into the brook while it's still flowing. While this brook is still flowing, you are going to have to step in with the presence of God. And he says, when you step into this with the presence of God, way up further down the river, God's going to put a stop to it. And finally, when God stops that river, and you'll see a little bit more of a flow, but when you take that step, it'll only be a matter of time before there is no more water flowing in that river, and you'll cross over into dry ground. So he said, for this step of faith, you will have to deny your senses. You cannot walk by sight, you cannot walk by what you understand, and you can't walk by what you hear. You have to take a step out of the boat and step out into this. And so we're going to talk about next week how I believe so many of you are at that place where God is asking you to take a step of faith. Uh, But you don't want to take that step without doing the first two steps first of stepping out with God's presence, with clear direction, and stepping out consecrating yourselves unto the Lord your God. Uh, So the first two, they're they're incredibly similar. Uh, What the second one simply means, and you can just leave this up on the screen, follow God's presence. Uh, It's you coming into a place where you make a decision that you want the Lord more than you want the promised land. And so many of us are at this place, especially with a lot of our uh, American uh, doctrine when it comes to Christianity, we emphasize the possession of the promised land so much that we do not emphasize that the goal of the Lord was not just to bring people to the promised land, it was to bring people to him first. He said, I have taken you out of Egypt to bring you unto myself. 
And out of this kind of like, like living of like, let the presence of God go before you, I, I really want to just implore you uh, that for so many of us, it is time to quit playing church and, and to come over into a place of true adoration of our King and true worship. That it's great that we come here on Sunday and watch on Sunday and watch by Fox. Like all of that is amazing that we gather together for a time of worship. But we have to break beyond the boundaries of 10 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And we have to come to a place where this is 5 a.m. on Monday mornings and 12.30 on Monday lunch and and 6.30 with the kids on Thursday when the milk is spilt on the floor. Like all of these things that we come to this place of living a life of worship. Humiliation is what happens when we refuse to humble ourselves. And and I just want to encourage this, that we're seeing this all across the board, even in ministry right now. So many of even my pastor friends are going through a rough season, and it all comes back to a a failure to humble themselves. We we come to this place where there's an exaltation of the flesh, where where the flesh longs to exalt itself, but we must base ourselves and, and live with a contrite and broken heart before God. Uh, that out of this, in secret, I am set apart. In secret, I am a worshiper. In secret, I live on bended knee. Uh, I heard one older man of, of God who I just gleaned from a lot. I was reading some of his books. I never met this man, but I feel like I know him because I read so much of him. Uh, but he talked about how every day he would get on his knees before God. And I don't know why, but for, for me and I think for so many of you, I think this is an important posture for this season. Uh, In this season of transition, posture does not impress God, but oftentimes posture positions your heart. God's not impressed by your stand, your kneel, your run, or your dance. He's seen it all before. But oftentimes, our stand, our kneel, our run, and our dance, and all these kinds of things uh, really help our hearts get in position uh, to be humble before the Lord. Uh, and, and I feel like that this is a season for us to, to, like Paul said, to bow our knees before the Lord in our private times uh, and to come into a place of an exaltation of his name where we come and we adore him. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. That, Father, I, I'm taking time to just say your name is awesome, your name is wonderful, your name is healer, your name is magnificent, your name is glorious. That, Father, I just come and I want you to know above the promised land, I want your presence. And, Father, my prayer is, like Moses, if you don't go with me, I don't even want to leave the wilderness. I'd rather be in a season of testing with you than be in a promised land without you. Uh, and Father, I just, I want you more than I want the house, more than I want the car, more than I want the promotion. Father, I want you more than I want those things. You are priceless. You are wonderful. That we come to a place of brokenness and, and worship. So he said, every day I, I get on my knees and I, I lift my hands and I bless his name. And then I said, I take my hands, he said, I take my hands from here to here. And saying, Father, you know in my life I have so many things that you need to take from my hands. And whether it's unforgiveness or pride uh, or, Father, I've been trying to fix this issue all, all with, by myself without you. That this is just so vexed by flesh and so tied up my mind. And it's, it's put me in a place where I'm just holding on to so much. And, Father, I know I need to cast this care. So I open my hands and I say, take this out of my hand. And Father, I also know that there are things that you need to put in my hands. So Father, give me grace and give me mercy 
Give me forgiveness, give me anointing, give me power, and give me strength that I come over into this place where, Father, I just exalt your name above all the other things in my life. And, and Father, fill my hands with this. What is this? It is emphasizing God's presence. And before you go into your promised land, you need a moment where you have humbled yourself before God like that. In this moment of transition, before you take this big step of faith, you need to make sure God's presence has gone before you, that you are chasing the presence of God and not the promised land, knowing that the presence of God will lead you to the promised land. And then this first thing, consecrate yourself today, Joshua said, because tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. This word consecration has been big on my heart, and it just simply means this. We kind of been talking about this this whole month. They'll put it on the screens. The word consecrate is, is this word in the Hebrew. The Old Testament was written in Hebrew. New Testament was written in Greek. And it just means this, to, to make clean, to make holy, to give holy. And so Joshua comes to the people and he's like, I know God's got amazing things for you tomorrow, but today, before you walk in those amazing things, God wants you holy. And, and what holy is, is holy. Like, like Father, I, I'm giving you the secret places of my life. And in these areas of pride that I have held on to, that I have refused to show myself, show you, and show others, Father, I'm coming in those areas and I'm saying you can have all of me. And that I'm offering myself as a living sacrifice unto you. And God says, when you build the altar and you bring the sacrifice, that's when I bring the fire. Uh, that Elijah, you build the altar, you offer the sacrifice, and then fire will fall from heaven. Building the altar is a place where you make a decision, it will die. The sacrifice is your pride and yourself, and you're coming to God and saying, I will take up my cross daily, and Father, any area of my life you want to touch, any area of my life you want to correct, any area of my life you want to deal with, I'm not playing church anymore. I don't want just cute messages. Father, I want a life that is burning for you. You can have it all, God. And this is what consecration is, and it gives you a power you can't get any other way. Jesus was led by the Spirit into a time of consecration, and for 40 days he resisted temptation and came out in the power of the Holy Spirit. Daniel makes a decision at the book of Daniel. He said, I made up my mind. I will not defile myself. You can defile yourself with that. The whole nation can defile itself with that, but I have made up my mind. I will not have that in my life. Daniel came to a place where he said, you know what, for me, I will bow my knees to God every day, three times a day. David came to a place where his own wife didn't understand it, but he said, I will worship the Lord my God, and I will dance before him with all of my might. Even when I'm king, even when I got all these eyes on me, I will humble myself before the Lord my God because I am his and he is mine. I don't care who's watching. I don't care what title I have. I will make myself even more vile than this because I do it as unto the Lord. And then I love the story of Samson, and this is the one I want to end with before we worship at our campuses. Is you have Samson, this man mightily used by God, such a flow and not a force. It was so much flow, he began to take it for granted, which is always the danger of the flow. When you get in the flow, you forget to pay the price that got it to you. You can see so much of God's grace, you don't realize how much of God's grace is on you. 
until you lose it. And out of this, Samson has this, this life where literally at the end of his life, all of these Philistines gather together and he's with this, this woman by the name of Delilah and they pay Delilah to get this question answered and they say, Delilah, find out what is the secret of his strength. I think when we get to heaven, we're going to be shocked when we see Samson because I think we think of Samson as like this guy who like is just ripped, like the rippest guy in the gym. Like his muscles got together, got married and had more muscles. Like, like this, this guy who's just like exploding out of his shirt and like has to like cut off the sleeves, like all of that kind of thing. But I think when we see him, we're going to see the complete opposite because the Philistines could not look at him physically and say, oh, that's the secret. More protein, more whey. Um, they couldn't figure it out because it wasn't something natural. It's like, what is it? We bind him with whatever we can, and he breaks out of it every time. What's the secret of his strength? You bound by something? Has a habit bound you? What's, what's, what's the secret out of it? They're, they're coming and they're looking at Samson like, what is the secret of his strength? And so you know the story. He tells them all these things. And finally, she says, Delilah comes to me. She's like, don't lie to me. Tell me, what's the secret of your strength? And he said, never has a razor touched my head. My hair is a covenant to God, an outward sign of my inward consecration, that I belong to the Lord. This long consecration, this long dedication, Many theologians think he became intoxicated. And she sat him on his lap and took out a razor and cut his hair. Philistines bust in the room, and you know the story. The Bible says that he, he woke up shaking himself, thinking that same power would be there, but it wasn't. It had left him. And they took him, and they took out his eyes, and they put him in a place where he kept going. This is so significant. Put him in a place where he kept going in the same circle. And any progress he made was progress he worked for. Everything was forced. There was no flow. There was no vision. There was no excitement. There was no dream. There was no clear next step. It's the same circle, day in, day out, and any progress made is something that is earned, something that is worked for, and something that is produced by the flesh. But you know what happened? They took his eyes and they took everything else, but they forgot something. They forgot that hair grows. And I love this in the book of Judges, Judges chapter 16 and verse number 22. However, the hair of his head began to grow again after it was shaved off. And all of a sudden, his consecration, oh, come on, church. All of a sudden, his consecration, it's getting long again. He's got a long consecration that is growing again. And I thank God I can remember summer camps of being like a, a young teenager. Uh, and at summer camps, having like the, the burn the CD time where you would come and like out by the, 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 the volleyball court, we had a sand court on How 18. Uh, right out there, we'd build a bonfire and we'd throw the CDs on it and have moments of consecration. 
But I thank God for like short consecration, but there is power in long consecration when you make a decision for an extended period of time to live holy before the Lord your God. And it is not live perfect before the Lord your God because if you were perfect, none of us would need Jesus. It's just saying, Father, in this season of my life, I want to know you. I want to worship you. My consecration wants to run deep to you. Father, I will resist temptation in your name. I will wake up praying in your name. I'll go to bed prioritizing your great name. And out of that, that long consecration begins to grow. And I know like Samson, some of you have seen God do amazing things before this season. But I say right now in Jesus' name, it does not compare to what God is about to do in this next season when you enter into this promised land. And before you go in, it's time to go in by his spirit and to consecrate yourself. Go after the presence of God and take a big step of faith. So at all of our campuses, let's stand to our feet and let's just end in worship today. I'll pray us into it. Father, we come before you. We thank you. That, Father, like Samson, we want these moments of long obedience. And, Father, I know that all of us have flesh and all of us have weaknesses. But, Father, we thank you that your spirit is willing even when our flesh is weak. And, Father, what we want right now is to be more filled with your spirit than ever before more help by your spirit than ever before, more grace by your spirit than ever before. Father, we want less of our flesh and we want more of your spirit. And Father, we thank you in the name of Jesus that as we consecrate ourselves today, that tomorrow we see miracles all around us. But Father, we thank you. Not only do we see miracles all around us, But Father, we thank you. The greatest miracle we see is the man and woman in the mirror. And we see a face that you have changed. A face that you have brought out your great name. A face that is made in the image of you. And a face that has every weight of the flesh stripped off of it. And every flow of the Spirit upon it. Father, we love you today. And we thank you that as we worship and as we draw near to you, Your Holy Spirit speaks to our heart even more. We ask it all, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen and amen.